The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, is it possible for anyone to explain the market's wild back and forth movements that we've seen lately? We call it volatility. Uh, what happened, of course, to the Santa Claus rally that almost always can be accounted on occurring in December? It didn't happen, it seemed. And it's like the Grinch stole the investor's Christmas. Coming up in the first half of today's program, a frequent guest of Talk Money, Rusty Leonard of Stewardship Partners, is here to give us an update of just what is going on in the investment world today. What can we expect for 2019 with the economy, and how does the media affect our emotions? We're going to talk about that. Also with me in our investment committee, Drew Johnson and Scott Jordan. We have had these moments in the last, if you've had these moments in the last quarter of 2018 where you just didn't know, you had the fear, you were concerned, well, they've got some information that I think you're going to find that will be very helpful. Answers to your frequent questions. From our Did You Know Files, financial reporter Adam Shell retired from his position with the USA Today last week after 19 years with the paper. Now, you may not remember Adam Schell, but I do. Mr. Schell is famous, and he's famous for his October 2002 article titled, Where's the Bottom? No End in Sight. It began with the sentence, the worst bear market since the Great Depression just keeps getting worse. And it got everybody's attention. In fact, the S&P 500 had closed at a bear market bottom the previous night. That's October the 9th, 2002, at 777. And then, after his great article, proceeded to climb at 102% over the next five years before peaking at 1565 on October the 9th, 2007. So I want to say a personal thanks, Mr. Shell, for reminding us that headlines do not predict returns. That's important for us to keep in mind. The Tax Policy Center says because of December 2000 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, 65% of you, you taxpayers, will pay less in taxes for tax year 2018 than they did, than you did. And, of course, tax year 2017, 6% will pay more, and the remaining 25% will experience no Differences, no changes whatsoever to your tax return. That's pretty good. 65% paying less. Well, here's something for you from Auto Data. And I kind of watch this data. If you wonder how the consumer sees the economy, this is one to watch. Americans purchased 17.3 million new cars and light trucks in 2018. A record, a record fourth consecutive year above 17 million in sales. The low point obviously lasted, you know, over the last two decades, 10.4 million sales in 2009. I say, and I'm not an economist, this is probably an indication of consumer optimism and consumer 
confident 17.3 million new cars and trucks in 2018. Well, that's a big deal. That's a lot of things going on. Here's one last thought for you. This is of affluent consumers, $50,000 to $250,000 in their net worth and their investable cash. What do they want most? Here's what the USA Today said. They want, and this is their survey, 56% want financial security. And I get that. Boy, that was simple. But here's something you might be surprised. 44% said they want to be head over heels in love. Well, we could do a whole program about that. If you have questions for Talk More Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To divine today's program on podcast or past programs, go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial and like us on Facebook. Coming up, Rusty Leonard, economic update. Just what happened to the Santa Claus rally in 2018? And from our investment committee, Drew Johnson and Scott Jordan, answers your questions that you've asked about the market and what to expect in 2019. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990, FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcast of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Securian Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners Investment Council, Inc. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we do have to get our days. Today's guest is Rusty Leonard of Stewardship Partners and a frequent guest of ours. And we're excited about what he's going to give us as far as some updates and some of the thoughts about what's going on as far as the economy is concerned. So welcome to the program, Rusty. Well, thank you. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. And, you know, Rusty, there's so much going on. I mean, there's, you know, you do such a good job for us. But here's here's a thought for you. This seems to be in, in a, a kind of a year of contradiction or just not running the conventional script that we think about. Unemployment is at a 50-year low, and yet there's fears of recession. I mean, there's this uh, the trade wars. It just seems like we've got a it, like we're rewriting the script for what's going on in the last quarter of 2018. Uh, you know, created all kind of problems. So, can you help us understand what's going on? I mean, give us this big vision that I know you're so capable of doing. I'll do my best. It's a little harder than normal. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like yeah, you, like you said, it's uh, it's quite a strange uh, market phenomenon here. Because normally, when you have a sell-off like you did between the end of September and uh, basically Christmas Eve, um, that was you know essentially a twenty percent sell-off in the S and P and more in you know small cap stocks and Nasdaq, and so it was you know it fell into that bear market territory. And normally that happens when something really bad is actually going on in the background, right? But in this case, it's, um, you know, the economy was doing fine. Uh, There just really wasn't the kind of problems you would associate with that kind of sell-off. So the market freaked out more than it normally did and discounted things that weren't happening. Uh, And so that, that was, you know, that's definitely unusual. And I can't really explain why the market acted like a lunatic uh, as much as it did in uh, in the fourth quarter of last year. Obviously, after Christmas, it kind of got its, its act together, and it's, it's moved up since then. But uh, for a while there, it just kind of went off the reservation and uh, just did, did some crazy stuff. 
And uh, there's still there are definitely risks, as you pointed out. Obviously, we have the the uh, government shutdown, which generally you know they don't go on forever, and it becomes a non-event. But what if this one does go on forever? It could impact economic growth. Uh, you have the trade wars. Again, they don't seem to be having that big of an impact, uh, but they could get worse. Um, and you know, various things that we we can go into them as we go on through this. Well, let me the, ask the you this, Rusty, because I think I think you know the reality is it was a contradiction. We we saw it. It was not conventional. It just I mean it's hard to it's hard to explain something when you don't have underlying economic issues that seem to be falling apart. But unemployment at yeah. a fifty year low. Now let me back up for just a second. Do we find? I mean, there's this whole idea. The Fed chairman is 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 a. I mean, he's making some decisions. He seems to be the needs of the market doesn't quite click or something there. And rising rate, raising rates. I mean, do you raise rates in a slowing economy, or is the economy really slowing as some people talk about? Well, the economy is slowing, but it's slowing from a pretty high rate of growth. So it's not, you know, it's actually a healthy thing that the economy is slowing, right? We don't want it to overheat. And there was some risk of that after the Trump tax cuts because they were so stimulative that we might overheat and have an inflation problem, all that. But actually, we don't have any of that. We have an economy that's slowing down to a kind of a more normal pace of growth. We have inflation that actually is not ticking up. It's ticking lower. So I, I think the markets were obviously clearly upset with the Federal Reserve for raising rates in that environment. If inflation's not a risk and growth is already kind of slowing, why are you raising rates? So that was part of the reaction in, in December in particular. And then once the, once the Federal Reserve chairman came out and said, well, you know, now that I think about it, uh, you know, we, we're probably going to be less nasty to the markets than we were back there in December, and uh, everything's cool and copacetic. Everybody calm down. And so the market calmed down and, re- and recovered quite nicely. And then, of course, we had the December employment report, which uh, was very strong and suggested that there's no recession on the horizon. So the market, you know, kind of said, oh, oh, let me wake up here and, you know, smell the roses. It's not so bad after all. And and so we've had a little bit of a recovery. But the whole thing, the whole episode was was really nonsensical. Well, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but yet we read the headlines, whether the federal government's got a partial shutdown or the trade war with China. Uh, has that played into this market sell-off? Is it as big a deal as everybody wants, the media wants to make it? Your take. I mean, I know you've got a lot of experience with that. So give us what you think about the trade war and, I guess, I guess really somewhat the whole idea behind the government shutdown. Well, I have to say that this sell-off and then the subsequent recovery that we've seen a little bit has all to do with the federal, not all, mostly to do with the Federal Reserve and, and the market's fears about uh, the new Chairman Powell you know, making some kind of monetary policy mistake and raising rates right into a recession, dri- essentially driving the world into a recession. There's also worries outside the U.S., right? So, you know, Europe's teetering on the edge of a recession. They're not anywhere near as strong as we are. And China is slowing down as well, partly because of those trade wars you talked about. And so there's some risk that China is going to have some, you know, big economic problems, which the markets would be fearful of. So that probably weighed on on what was uh, happening as well. And with the Fed raising rates into a, a little bit of a, a slowing period here, they, the, the impact, the market may have been saying, I'm not so concerned about what the impact here is in the U.S. I'm concerned what the impact is in China and in Europe. Is it going to hurt those economies, send them into a recession, and then it feeds back to the U.S.? So maybe that's what the the market was thinking about. But, you know, nevertheless, none of those things have happened yet. (laughs) And uh, we're not that close. It doesn't appear like we're that close to them happening. Uh, Perhaps we're very close to uh, Europe going into a recession. Now, I I do want to get back to the government shutdown. Usually the government shutdowns, you know, last 
a couple of weeks and then they're done. And there's no economic impact of any consequence, and it's not an issue. Uh, I think at this point in time, uh, sooner or later, we're going to have some concern building that this economic or this government shutdown is going to go on for a long time, and it will have economic impact. And so that that could be something that weighs on the market month or so. We'll see how things pan out. So you actually you actually think that the two parties or the two individuals are doing the negotiations or have got the capacity to really back into a corner and stay in a corner and not come out and negotiate? I mean, that's not what's good for the people. What are, what's going? What's your political take? Now, I'm not trying to get into the political side of this, but what is your political take from that from a standpoint? We're the consumer. We're the people on the street. Is this shutdown that big of a deal for us? Do we need to be concerned about it? You kind of said we did if it goes out 100 days or longer. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to think you're delusional here, too. You actually think that the government, uh, the Nancy Pelosi and uh, Trump are, well, actually, say Trump, are concerned about the people or are they concerned more about their 2020 election? Process? Okay, all right. I know I messed up there. Yep, that's true. I got it. I got it. But, but you understand what, you what I'm saying. Care about, right? Yeah. Right. No, it's. It's a political issue. It's not an economic issue to them. They they're playing the politics, and they think that you know each other. They're going to win. You know, Trump needs his wall in order to be able to run for re-election, and uh, Pelosi needs that he doesn't have the wall so that she can say, "Hey, I thought you were going to have a wall. You blew it. You don't deserve to be re-elected." So uh, that's I think that's really what's uh, playing out. And we we people are just pawns in all that, and uh, they will. You know, Trump has. I, you know, I think everybody believes he's willing to take more pain than any other president would under these you know, political pain under any under these circumstances than any other president we probably know. And uh, Pelosi, you know, she's just going to react to the politics. If uh, if sooner or later the Democrats say, "Hey, this is ridiculous," just give them a stupid wall so we can get go on and all these people can get back to work, well, then she'll crumble to that uh, if that's where the political pressure rises. And that's what I think Trump's betting on. Well, that's but a, the market's market will be held in, in the balance there for a while because it will react, even though it shouldn't react to such a short-term thing, it will still react to it. And um, if, the, if it looks like there's going to be a weaker economic growth in the first quarter because of the shutdown, you know, the market will probably sell off a little bit on that. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you just tuned in, my guest is Rusty Leonard, President and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, and has uh, always a frequent guest of ours and always does a great job. And uh, Rusty, let me let me kind of go this far because I want to talk about the Mueller investigation. Uh, it seems to be, you know, talking about it that it's coming to close. It sends, you know, that maybe we're going to see an end to this investigation. If that's true, and it does, you know, close out. What are the consequences for investors for that? Well, if it, if it closes out, I mean, that's got to be a positive, right? Because it's a risk that you know Mueller actually finds something, and uh, and then there's an impeachment proceedings, or you know, there's a real a real fright that you know that Trump is in bed with uh, Russia. If he has evidence of that, well, then my goodness, that's a big deal, right? And so I think the market would sell off on that if he doesn't have evidence of that, which is what the current reporting seems to indicate. Um, then I don't know, you know, it takes an uncertainty away, but do you really think the politics are going to change very much? Uh, the Democrats would probably just turn and, and start attacking Mueller for doing a bad job, and they would probably continue to say that Trump's in bed with the Russians. So it's, you know, it's, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm just not an optimist on the, on the political front. I think there's uh, just a huge war going on, and it's hard to see how the, uh, how that, the narrative will change all that much unless. Mueller actually finds, you know, some kind of serious uh, collusion or whatever he's looking for. And my my best guess is that he's not going to find anything that 
that serious. Okay. You know, well, been at it. if he had found something, he, he would have had it. You know, if there, if there was something really nasty that um, Trump had done, it was he would have had to come out with that like immediately, right? I mean, you can't just sit on that kind of information and let Trump keep governing, right? Right. To, so I don't think he has anything. Well, again, I think that's uh, that is what a lot of people listen to, and the media just kind of drives that. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that in the second half of the program with my guest uh, Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson. They're going to talk about specifically how do we handle all that media data that seems to be flooding, you know, the waves, and I mean, it gets our emotions going. So that's going to be one of the questions that I'm going to dive in with them right. in the second that's half of the program. One. But let me let me yep. do this again. I just want to remind you, this is Rusty Leonard. We're talking. Rusty does about four or five programs with us a year. And all of this contradiction, I started out with the unemployment at a 50-year low, and yet we're talking about recession, trade wars, uh, all the all the issues of the shutdown, all of the, the negatives, the positives. I mean, it's hard to bring it out. What do you see as the outlook for 2019 as far as the investor is concerned? Well, it's, it's more difficult than usual, but I'm on the positive side of the equation. And one of the main reasons I'm on the positive side of the equation for 2019 is that we had that kind of foolish sell-off in 20, late 2018 that just didn't make any sense. So, if it doesn't, you know, so you, you have to have a recovery from that. If, it, if the market did something stupid and overreacted to something that really wasn't there, then there's got to be a recovery from that. And so we, we'll benefit from that in 2019. And I think we, we've already seen that a little bit, right? Uh, I, right now, we see that the Chinese are doing taking efforts again to stimulate their economy. So it is weak over there in China, but they're, they're taking, you know, necessary efforts to try to keep things going. Uh, so if they avoid a, you know, a meltdown in the Chinese economy, which they probably will, uh, then everybody will calm down about that. Europeans, when they have a recession, it's usually mild. And when they have a, an expansion, it's usually mild. They just don't, they don't have really rapid growth or really slow growth because it's socialistic over there. And the government throws so much money into the economy. Typically, you generally don't get terrible recessions or, ter- or really strong expansions. So I don't think whatever happens in Europe, even if they do go into a recession, will have a big impact on the rest of the world. So I'm pretty positive, And I think that with inflation looking like it's under control as well, that's a pretty strong uh, scenario where you have pretty good growth in the U.S., some of these fears receding, and no inflationary threat uh, at the moment. That's, that's a pretty good, you know, that, that, that's, that's a good setup for stocks and bonds. Well, again, I think that's important for us to get that. I appreciate what Rusty's saying to us, because, Rusty, you always do this in a very, very simple way for us to understand. I need it from a simple standpoint. At the monologue, I mentioned the Santa Claus rally, so I want to close with that. (laughs) I talked about it simply because bottom line is everybody anticipates it, and yet we didn't see that this year. Is it because there was just so much volatility, out of control, no reason? Or why do you think the Santa Claus rally didn't occur? we got about a minute. Okay, well, the Santa Claus rally didn't occur because uh, Chairman Fed Chairman Powell was the Grinch. And he came out <laughs> in mid-December, and he said, well, we raised rates today. And, uh, you know, he, he actually gave a very logical presentation. I listened to it, of course. And, he, you know, he answered all the questions the reporters had. And it all made sense to me, based on what I know. But the stock market has this different thought process going on. There's some facets in the stock market that said, you know, uh, we're still freaked out about a recession. We think one's happening now. <laughs> you know, that's what it seemed like, right? Yep. And so uh, so they it just overreacted to to the, the Grinch that stole Christmas, which in this case was uh, 
Chairman Powell. But he got he got his act together and got nice right after Christmas. <laughs> right after Christmas. Out. Yeah, that's true. Well, again, sir, I appreciate so much you being with us. It's Rusty Leonard, the president and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours. Rusty, you have a great day. Thank you so much, sir. Oh, you're welcome. Appreciate the time. All right, man. We'll be back in a few minutes. We've got Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson. They're going to talk about some very specific questions that you've asked about the market. And we're going to dive into their answers and really pull them apart. One of the reasons, one of the questions that you ask is, can 2008 happen again? With everybody thinking of the last quarter of 2018, oh, my goodness, could 2008 happen again? Well, we'll find out when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, if you look at 2018, we literally saw stocks that they did well for at least most of the year. I mean, reaching a new highs over the summer, corporate earnings jumped sharply and, uh, you know, I mean, it, we got saw the 2017 tax cuts, and that was good. The U.S. and global expansion continued. All of this was a positive thing, and yet the last quarter rocked our boats. And, of course, Rusty Leonard from Stewardship Partners just talked about that on the program, and it did. I mean, it was confusing. It just simply got things kind of cooked up and moving. He actually said the Grinch that sold the Santa Claus bump was Chairman Powell, and I, and I get that. I think that's a very good statement. Now we've got trade wars. Now we've got the wall. Now we've got Europe and the Brexit, and you listen to that, and all those things going on. So what happens to us is we begin to create some kind of anxiety, maybe fear, if you want to call that. And we get the question from you, will 2008 happen again? My guest, Drew Johnson, Scott Jordan, they're here to answer your questions. You've sent them to us. And if you've got questions for us, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And we will do the best we can to answer those specific questions. Well, with all the noise in the last quarter, we actually got the question, will 2008 happen again? So, Drew, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me. Let's go with that first question, sir. Can we look at 2008 and say to ourselves, will that happen again? Well, with all of the bad news that's been going on lately uh, over the last several months, it's easy to see why people might ask that question. But uh, 2008 was a lot of things, uh, many things to different people. You're talking about uh, unemployment skyrocketing in 2008, the stock market crashing, the economy uh, going down the way it did, it going into the terrible recession that we had. So it means different things to different people. And so I think in order to really answer the question of will 2008 happen again, uh, we really have to clarify what we mean and what that client means by asking it. And so probably the first thing we want to ask is, well, as the stock market went down and, and so forth, did that client specifically lose money during that downturn? That's the first thing that we want to know. Is that what they're afraid of? Well, I uh, think that's a great question, too, because I, I think most people, when they think about 2008, they're thinking about their 401k or their savings account that was invested in equities, and they did lose money. And I think that's the fear. I think that creeps into their mind uh, and their hearts. And, right. uh, you know, if, you're, if you've got money in a tin can buried in the backyard, you didn't worry about that too much. You were not too concerned. But if you were in your 401k and it was invested in the market, 
you felt that pain, and that's what they're asking. Right. I mean, it, there's no doubt that it's it's very emotional and it's very real, and it's emotional because it's real, and people don't want to see all of the discipline and hard work that they put into saving that money for all those years uh, potentially go to waste or at least uh, half waste, as it was the case for a lot of people in 2008. Uh, but we also want to know was the client uh, frightened uh, or agitated by uh, by the headlines in the news? Did they uh, did they go in the market at the wrong time, out of the market at the wrong time? Were they trying to time it? And did that make it worse? Uh, that's something else we would want to know. So again, it's a, if their clients in the market and they're doing this problem and all these things are going on in their hearts. You know, let me think about this. Now I'm looking at 2018. The question comes up. It's at the end of 2008 to 10 years ago, and uh, will this happen again? And, of course, stocks experienced two, two, not one, two, 10% corrections uh, as we looked at volatility. Now, I would say volatility in the last quarter of 2018 was normal, but it just seemed to be extremely volatile because we had gone through 2017 with almost no volatility and most of 2018 with no volatility. And we had fears of trade restrictions to trade wars. This continued to drag on the markets in it. I think it was just simply a confusion. And as I talked about earlier, contradictions going through this thing. Unemployment at a 50-year low, and yet yet fears of a recession. So, Drew, when you think about that, could the market be down that much again, as we would say, like 2008? Your answer, sir. I'm going to hold you to it. Well, anything's possible. The market could be down that much again or more at some point in the future. Nobody knows for sure. All right. So that was a political answer. (laughs) <laughs> just, just kidding just kidding scott welcome to the program scott great Jordan, to be here jim also a member of our investment committee scott from your chair when you think about that drew did a great job he talked about the fact that 2008 could happen again absolutely it's going to be a reality if it creates fear and anxiety you have to kind of evaluate should you be in the market all of that's part of it so you know what's the question i guess my thought being is the next person i mean the same question came from the same person if if it is going to happen again, and, it, you know, they ask knowing the answer. But then the question was, will it happen? When will it happen? Boy, Jim, that's a tough question. You know, our markets are resilient, cyclical, and unpredictable. We really have no idea when the next 2008 is going to happen again. I think it's important to keep in mind as an investor just to understand the nature of the market. And the market tends to go in cycles and, and historically, it has cycled way up and way down below that kind of average trend line. The average trend line's been up, but it always cycles up and down over that. So it's important to expect those downturns, plan for them, uh, wait out the downturns, and make sure that you stay invested and st- stick with your plan during those time- downturns, and also see those as buying opportunities. So when will it happen, Jim? We don't know, but the important thing is to stick with a principal discipline approach so that you can ride out those downturns. Well, all right, let's put this in perspective. When the question came in, it said, will 2008 happen again? The answer is yes. You know, and what are we talking about? A downturn in the market, a correction that moved into a recession, and that, you know, triggered a lot of fear and anxiety, emotional instability, a person putting their money into the 401k. You mentioned something, though, Scott. You saw, you said, and Drew did, you did too, a buying opportunity. 
That's hard to do, guys. Very hard. That, Very you difficult. Know, you make that statement as if, okay, I ride a bicycle. I can buy. This is a buying opportunity. It's not that easy. It's not that easy. You know, we say it all the time that emotions are the enemy of enemy, any good investment strategy. And so when emotions are involved, involved, it's hard to make those right decisions at that time. And you can't just tell somebody, don't be emotional. They're going to feel those feelings. And that's why I think having a plan on the front end and how you're going to react to something before you're in that situation is critical to developing a good investment strategy. Well, when we come back, uh, we're, I want to talk about the second question that came in is, is if you're looking at this with the emotions, I want to talk about how should the person invest their money? How should they, if they're going to decide to do something to stay in the market or get back into the market or whatever, I want to, I want to kind of put this idea behind the thought of get away from moving out of the market and staying in it, and how do you do that? How do you discipline yourself? I know what you said, having a plan, a strategy, but that is a lot easier said, especially when you read the headlines every day or listen to the headlines. It's negative, it's negative, it's negative. So my guests, Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson, they're from our investment committee, and they are going through the process of questions that you've asked us. And the first leading question, will 2008 happen again? Well, the last quarter of 2018, it seemed like it. I guess we'll talk more about it when we come back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. On September 26, 1933, all the members of the John Dillinger gang escaped from prison in Michigan City, Indiana, in the early morning hours. What is not well known is that the FBI arrested notorious Memphis gangster and bootlegger George Machine Gun Kelly that same morning on the order of J. Edgar Hoover. Kelly had kidnapped Oklahoma City tycoon Charles Urschel and had been on the run for over 50 days before the FBI caught up with him in Memphis. Kelly surrendered to the FBI and Memphis police without a fight. The trials that follow were significant because they were the first kidnapping trials in the United States after kidnapping was made a federal offense. They also marked the first time that defendants were moved by airplane, and it was the first major crime solved by the FBI. George Kelly and his wife were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. George spent 17 years in Alcatraz before being transferred to Leavenworth. He died three years later of a heart attack on his 59th birthday. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I was saying earlier that we had uh, some really good things that happened in 2018. I mean, face it, bottom line, corporate earnings jumped sharply, and I talked about that earlier. I mean, this was helped, I think, 2017's tax cuts created that environment. We saw stocks. They did well for at least three-quarters of the year, most of the year, reaching new highs near the summer. That was a positive. But all of a sudden, about the middle of September, We saw the ship turn dramatically. We saw two, not one, but two 10% corrections. And so volatility, something that we had kind of not seen so much of it, it began to, you know, noticeably go higher. I mean, it just, it seemed like every day we'd have a big swing. We set a record with a thousand point swing. 
Uh, you know, face it, that's just an enormous amount of volatility. And it was noticeable. It was you felt it. You understood it. It was emotional. And we had fears over the growing trade restrictions, over this whole idea that that was going to drag the market. Then we started to build the wall or not to build the wall. Then we got into all other things going on with Europe. And so the headlines began to beat us and beat us and beat us. And equities ended the year in a negative territory or, as we might say, correctional territory. And cash, believe it or not, wound up being one of the best-performing asset classes. Now, you know, that's, well, I could have just kept it in a CD. That's true. The reality is, how do you invest your money when this volatility is all of it, all making the headlines, and you feel the anxiety? Now, listen to me. You feel the anxiety. Did that mean you react to it? My guest, as I've told you, is Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson from our investment committee. Guys, all right, Scott, I'm going to ask you this straight up. I mean, here you are. We've got to make decisions. We're trying to invest money for people. How should you, when you're talking to someone, how do they need to invest their money when they're feeling all the emotions I've been describing? Well, I think it's, it's, first of all, it's important to back up and talk about what we're investing for. Why are we investing? Uh, in general, when I'm talking to clients, we're investing money to meet future needs. So I think it's important to really nail down and decide what those needs are and get real clear about the why we're investing this money. All right. When you say needs, let me make sure. Is that goals? I mean, are you talking about my goal, my goals, my strategy, my whole idea, that whether it's retirement, college education, whatever? Absolutely. What are we trying to multiply this money for? Now, in an inflationary economy, if we want to maintain purchasing power, if we want to be able to buy the same goods and services. We have to put our money somewhere to grow it. So it gets real important to fi- figure out, first of all, why are we growing it? What is that goal? What is that objective? What do we need? What type of a return do we need to meet that objective? Get crystal clear about those ideas so that when you follow a principle discipline approach, you know why you're doing it. So that makes it a little easier not to get caught up in some of that emotional you know, news media frenzy and and really just stay crystal clear. And that goes both ways. And we see it all the time, Jim, either to the positive side or the negative side. I mean, we see investors jump on, they get that fear of missing out. They start to abandon their principles or it goes the other way and they get overly negative and think, you know, the world's falling apart and everything's going to zero and they abandon their principles. So getting crystal clear, I think, is key from the beginning. And then it's just following a disciplined principle approach, which Drew, when we talk about, and, and Scott describes this disciplined approach, one of the things that we talk about is this tolerance of risk. And I think I want to ask you this uh, from a standpoint of, of talking with people or understanding a person's psyche. Risk to some people, I mean, you could be sitting down with a couple and you can be one spouse is just absolutely going to roll the dice every day. You go at actually you go, oh, my goodness, this is kind of scary. And the other one is never, ever going to make an investment. They are going to put it in the can in the backyard. Talk about tolerance of risk and why that's important to understand that. Why a client needs to help us understand what they're doing with tolerance of risk. Well, you want to make sure that as you're working out the investment choices for a client that you're picking something that they can actually handle emotionally. Uh, you're not going to take a person that's very, very risk averse and put them into into something that's very, very aggressive. Because uh, what's going to happen is whenever that has a bad year or a bad month or even a bad week with some people, they're going to take it and they're, they're going to they're pull the money out and say, I can't handle this. 
And what will end up happening is they won't stick to the plan that you talked about, and then they won't end up achieving it. And so picking a picking an investment policy program that's in line with what they can handle will actually help them to achieve their goals because they can handle it emotionally. So there, so you're talking about actually identifying and knowing their risk tolerance and knowing this helps them make decisions. Scott, when you're talking to that sometimes, you're talking about helping a person develop the portfolio. You mentioned this a while ago. That is kind of strategically aligned with their risk tolerance, as you, he's talking about, their goals. Their time said, horizon. Time horizon. Right. All that plays <laughs> in the part. You're just not throwing something out of the clear, but picking it down and say, here's what you do. This is whether you're doing a 401k, whether you're doing a retirement, I mean, something else outside of that, or college education. doesn't make any difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, from there, from from deciding, you know, what what is that tolerance for risk, we can start to develop a what we call an asset allocation strategy. How much are we going to have in stocks? How much are we going to have in bonds? How much are we going to have in cash? And then it's just a matter of diversifying among those asset classes. We're strong believers in diversification as a risk management tool, spreading those assets across a lot of different investments so that we don't get caught off guard if one thing goes bad. All right. I want to make sure I understand that. You said stocks, bonds, and cash. Correct. And then asset allocation underneath that. And you're talking about... Stocks, bonds, and cash, the big categories. Yep. And then stocks, you were really trying to diversify underneath that. Bonds, you're diversifying underneath right, that. Right, right. When you, when you talk about stocks as a category, there's a lot of different investment types you can go into that, whether it's by style. You know, there's, there's, there's growth stocks, there's value stocks, gotcha. uh, whether gotcha. it's geography. Am I going to be in Europe? Am I going to be in China? Am I going to be in the U.S.? So it's just spreading that money across a lot of different opportunities out there. That makes a lot of sense. Not putting all your eggs in one basket. Well that's, said, that's Drew. That's good, Drew. Well said. Well, let me ask you, Drew, now that you say that, one of the questions that one of our listeners ask, and, and again, just simply, I think it's a great question because I think it's it's kind of a mindset for a lot of people. Does Shoemaker Financial try to time the market? Is that And, and what's our take on, quote, unquote, timing the market? Well, on this one, I can I can give a very non-political answer. And that, that, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that would be that that would be no, and that's that's because first of all, you ha- you're not making one decision there; you're making two. You're not just deciding when to get out and go to cash, but you also have to make the decision when do I go back in. And it is extremely difficult to be consistently accurate. It's not just it's really impossible to be consistently accurate over a long period of time, and you end up focusing on very very short term numbers and trends, and you end up really defeating your own purpose for investing in the first place. And so we don't do that. What we do is we pick investment managers who try to catch as much of the upside potential as they can while limiting as much of the downside potential as they can, not by timing when to go in and out of the market, but by very carefully selecting what they're buying inside the portfolio, uh, not buying companies that are overvalued or 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 instruments that are overvalued buying what's going to what they think is going to appreciate well over time and with regard to, to the client standpoint of that i mean the most important component what we would say to a client the most important component of their investment is you not just what you're investing in, but your own ability to handle it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I tell you what, I want to come back a little bit, and I want to kind of dive into the thought about when you said catching the upside of that, is really we're leaving it into the asset manager's hands. Exactly. And we're really watching them and taking care of them, making sure they're not doing stupid stuff, but they need to have the freedom to do that. So our job is to manage the managers. 
manage the managers. I think that's a well put statement there. I like that what you said. Well, if you just tuned in, Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson, they're both giving us some of the questions or the answers to your questions that you've asked us about the market. We'll be back in just a second. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Shoemaker Financial and Securing Financial Services do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we've been talking about questions that you've sent to us that you wanted to know the answers to, and we're answering them on the air. If you've got questions for us, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we will do our best to get those specific questions on the air for you. With all the volatility, obviously, in the market in the last part of last year, we've got questions about will 2008 happen again, or even a better way to put it, is this the beginning of 2008. Well, the guys have basically answered and my guests, Scott Jordan and Drew Johnson, have gone through this process of helping us saying, yes, that probably could happen again. When? They don't know. But you have to be willing to get into the market and understand that volatility is as common as a glass of water, folks. It's just it's not different. It's just there. And that's uh, they, they, they really wanted us to understand that. And then they talked about how do you invest your money? Now, I want to go to you, Scott, for just a second, because when we talked about that a while ago, you specifically, both of you went through the time horizon, you know, knowing your goals and your tolerance. You talked about asset allocation. But I need to make sure that that's, that sounds easy for us when we're talking about it. And and Drew went through the whole process of this timing the market and we're managing and you know the the investment manager not so much interested because you have to be accurate and we've studied that so help me with this now if I if I've got to make decisions for my four hundred one k or if I've got to make decisions how do I know to put all this together and how do I keep my emotions from being so much a part of my investment portfolio. Well, Jim, I mean, I, I think that is a tough one for a lot of people. You know, we manage a lot of 401k plans, and I see individual investors inside those plans do do make decisions where they're chasing returns. They're looking at what was hot last year and running in that direction. So it's very difficult. Uh, I know it's going to sound like a broken record, but I go back to that's getting clear on your why. Designing that portfolio and sticking with the plan, I mean, and that's that becomes very challenging to do. You know, like you said, that's easy for us to sit here and say, but when you're working with people's money, they they get that fear to get on that fear and greed roller. The news cycle feeds that, by the way. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're if you're into that every day, you're going to get pulled in different directions. And uh, I think it's just critically important to first clarify that why, know why you're investing that money. Know what your tolerance for risk is. When I'm in, when I'm talking with a client about that, you know, we can go through that. It's hard to say how somebody's going to actually react when it actually happens, but we use a lot of questionnaires and stuff to try to gauge that tolerance for risk, so that, like Drew said, we put them in an appropriate portfolio that they can stick with. Um, you know, Jim, I think it's good to have somebody to to run these ideas off of, and and somebody that when you do, when those emotions starts to creep up. You can talk to somebody that can bring you back down and help you make logical decisions. And it's tough. It's very hard to do. That's a great point. Drew, I guess the question that I want to finalize and we kind of, you know, the whole idea behind what we're doing, 
We sometimes get this question, and I mean, it's it's what came out of the with the questions. It said, if something's going on troubling, if something's really economic global, will we let people know? And then, what do we do with a portfolio? Do we do we try to help people understand what's happening, or do we just kind of let it ride? Well, it it, it kind of depends on what it is. Um, a lot of times, that communication is going to be client specific. Uh, a lot of the volatility that we see is normal. We're not necessarily going to uh, react to normal volatility. Um, for one thing, it's not necessary. For another thing, it sends a wrong message if it gives the sense that we're concerned when we're really not. We're just looking at a normal market uh, functioning. Uh, but if we see something that we consider to be a fundamental shift that would require a change in a client's uh, portfolio or in a way that we're trying to go about achieving a goal, then yes, we would certainly notify that client and talk about what changes we would need to make to help them do what they need to do. I know you do this, too. You do send out some economic updates, and you we actually have an economic update going to be at the office today. So that's important for a lot of people. You are communicating. We constantly try to keep abreast of every Monday we send out something about the economy. Right. Well, here's the thought I wanted to close with. Remember I told you about Mr. Adam Shell? He retired from the USA today after 19 years, and he's the one that wrote the article, Where's the Bottom? No End in Sight. The Senate said the worst bear market since the Great Depression just keeps getting worse. And that's in October of 2002. And the following five years, the market jumped 102%. I personally want to thank Mr. Shell for reminding us that headlines do not, do not predict returns. Guys, I appreciate you being here today. This has been a great great program. Thank you. Uh, You've done a great job of really giving us some insight to what's going on, and I thank you for that. It's always a pleasure to be a part of it today, and for you guys to be a part of our listening audience, thank you for doing that. I, again, want to say how much it's appreciated. You know, we appreciate you staying with us and always being a part of the program and spending time with us. My guests, Rusty Leonard, Scott Jordan, and Drew Johnson, if you would like to talk to them personally, call them at 757-577-5757. Wow, I couldn't get the number out. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. You always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to Talk Money at Shoemaker financial.com to find today's program and podcast of past programs go to the itunes store and search for shoemaker financial be sure to like us on facebook i'm jim shoemaker my guest has been scott jordan and drew johnson thank you for listening this is talk money talk money is produced by greg ratliff guest and content coordination francis fortner Production Assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance Officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Drew Johnson, and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.